so the first question, and all these questions were submitted um, through uh, Facebook, text message, and uh, Messenger. So, uh, when you're struggling with depression, how would you trust God's? How do you trust God's plan, and how do you remember to love yourself? I think, um, I think everyone. Uh, first of all, I, I don't think anyone is exempt from depression. I, I think at some point. Yeah. At some level, everyone's going to deal with uh, depression, and and so I think I think there is deep biblical principles for us in the midst of those things, and, and we've hit on them already. But but I think the reminder that in our darkest days and in our our most depressing times, um, Scripture reminds us. That's why I love that you guys mentioned like when we're depressed, we need to go to God's word. Um, we go to God's word for the hope and the reminder that, that Jesus will set all things right, that he will make everything right one day. And, and, um, and so there's hope for us that, that our minds are going to be eternally in bliss and peace and, and not anxious and not depressed. And, and so we need to remind ourselves of that. And, and that's why the practice of just preaching the gospel to yourself is so important. That you know, we, Jeremy, I think we heard this at an Acts twenty nine conference sometime, where a pastor was preaching to pastors, and they, and they said, "When when's the last time the gospel was good news for you?" Yeah. And we we kind of latched onto that question because it was so needed for a bunch of pastors sitting in the room that are used to giving the gospel to everybody else. Right. And and this man was saying, "When was it good news for you?" And and it should be a daily thing that we yeah. remind ourselves: Jesus died for me; that that He's redeeming me. And um and so we we've held on to that and we try to put that into sermons all the time because um all of us as believers need to be preaching the gospel to ourselves, reminding ourselves in the midst of our darkest days that that Jesus has won the victory already. Yeah. I mean there's obviously there's uh multiple reasons for depression now. Is it is it asking how we deal with it or, or how would we um, just as a Christian, like how yeah. how would you how do you trust God's plan for your life? So yeah, um, so I'll, I'll say this. I, I want to make it clear. There's some people that that need that do need professional help. That sometimes they need medication to deal with this. For me personally, um, I know that that it's been. Uh, there's times where, typically, if I'm if if it's if there's depression, um, it's because my identity has become wrapped up in some sort of failure or something in the past that I'm deeply ashamed of. And so this is this is kind of like what Will was saying, preaching the gospel to myself, which is um, remembering, like like Jacob, right? Who uh, I, I can rest assured that, that God loved me not because of anything good or bad; that He knew exactly who I was when He adopted me, um, and that my identity in Him is is uh, free from my 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 past. And so some, sometimes it's it's hard separating, at least for me, uh, things of the past with things of the present, yeah. you know, and so I think that, uh, you know, that, that's a struggle. I mean, it's not something I think of and say, oh, okay, now everything is wonderful. Uh, I'll, right. I'll go ahead and leave. But it, it's one of those things I have to cling to and remind myself that um, that uh, my identity is no, is no longer in my, in my past failures. And you need to communicate depression too. Yeah. Um, you need to yeah. tell people, person or people, preferably people, when you are depressed. You need to have outlets where you can – communicate that so you're not going through that by yourself and um i mean there are moments where i'll go to my wife and be like i'm really i'm really just depressed and she'll yeah. be like are, are, are you upset about something it's like no i'm just i'm just depressed like I, there's there, i don't I, I can't pinpoint a reason i'm yes. just depressed I, I told baker maybe last week 
that I've been deeply discouraged recently. Yeah. Uh, and and it is it is and same same thing. Almost like I I don't know why I, I, I can I'm guessing this I'm guessing that. Right. Um. But there is a there is something about just just communicating it. Right. And I think communicating it brings brings uh your brothers and sisters in the faith maybe your spouse maybe maybe whoever it may be but or or, or even a counselor but communicating that um what that does is if if the depression is to a level of severity that that is unhealthy that is dangerous that someone else can step that, in and help right you. then yeah. you have people that are that are keeping an eye on you and holding you accountable yeah. and saying hey you really need to get the help that, that you need yeah here. so something yeah. that my counselor told me um i like to um my thought process is in my mind like um I like to think about things and then come back to come back and answer them, especially if I feel like they're really important questions. Um, because, um, I don't know, I just internalize everything and think it through my mind. So the so in the back part of our mind is like our thought process, and a lot of times when I'm struggling with depression and stuff, um, I lose my identity. Yeah. Um, I you know I forget all the things that I am to God. You know right. that I'm His daughter, that I'm chosen, I'm adopted, I'm you know I'm an heir. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, a lot of times we have to say things out loud um, for it to be processed throughout our whole brain. Yeah. Because when we say things out loud, um, it kind of shines a lot on them. Yeah. Because a lot of times they're not truth. A lot of times they are a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it allows the truth. Like, a lot of times in counseling, like, I'll say something that's not, you know, that I've been thinking, but it's probably not the truth. And then, like, afterwards, I can laugh about it because I'm like, that sounds so silly, and yeah. I know that's not true. But in my mind, I've been thinking about it for four months. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and being able to say that to somebody out loud, like, you, like the truth, like, there's a lot on it that helps you to be able to identify. I'm, I'm curious. Um, do, do you have a place that you go to? Like, for example, I, uh, well, do you have a place you like when you're, when you're just down a, not, not the sound. I don't mean this in the progressive sense, but the, the safe space that you can go to and just kind of think a quiet place where you can be. My back porch is my, is? Yeah, yeah. And, um, which I'm kind of really worried because it's getting winter and I can't really sit on the back <laughs> porch. Right. So, um, <laughs> y'all check in on me. But, so, um, so for me, it's, I, I, my, my father-in-law mentioned this, uh, it's been 15 years ago. Um, but he made a, and so what he, I, so like, I love, like if I, it, Julie knows if I'm taking like six showers a day, it's because I'm struggling. Right. And mm-hmm. I just want to go in there and, and there's this imagery of being made clean, like being washed, uh, of, of my sin and transgressions. And I go there because it's silent, it's quiet, mm-hmm. but, but also I, I can, I can feel the imagery that I'm being made clean. Yeah. And and for whatever reason that is that is deeply needed for me being able to go to a place to where I can just be in reflect reflection yeah and and so yeah. you know what mine is what's that my truck your truck, truck? yeah because I can go anywhere ah uh, you can fine. escape yeah oh, yeah it, it uh, is an escape and yeah. then and then I can like not have people get in it and yeah yeah or kick That's people true, out yeah. right it's, it's like it's you can't control right and so like I'll drive like out a dirt road or what like yeah and just go hmm. like like there are times I'll, I'll just like go read the bible like an undisclosed location and, I, yeah. and there's like there's this weird comfort it's like people don't know where i am yeah right? no, <laughs> so. no, sometimes i do that like if i can't be on my back so like when i step out on my back porch i feel like that i can breathe yeah um like if i'm str- if i'm struggling with my child um i step out on my back porch mm-hmm. to take a time out for a mom time out because yeah. it's necessary <laughs> and um but on my back porch i feel, I feel like, like i feel, I feel like, like with can, your child in particular oh that's necessary gosh. a it's, lot it's more frequently too. He's, he's smarter than me okay he's um <laughs> 
he's smarter than me. He's got it together. But um, so like I I'll do that in my van sometimes. Like I usually have a Bible in my van, um, and sometimes I'll just like go and park at the park yeah. and kind of be like. Yeah, you know, just kind of be to myself and yeah. and read and pray and stuff. So I, I know this wasn't the question, but there is a there is a weird thing about being a, a a pastor and struggling with some sort of anxiety or whatever it is because some people think, well, you know, you shouldn't have to or you shouldn't struggle with this. You shouldn't right. have this, right? Um, and though though David's not a pastoral figure or uh, uh, Jeremiah, but but they're 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 these what they call these weeping prophets, right? Uh, and I think there's a something comforting, but it is it is interesting that uh, um, if if there's someone who is uh, in a pastoral role, because we have other pastors that listen to this, and, mm-hmm. they, and they struggle with with uh, uh, some sort of depression or mental, you know, uh, what what would what, you've, you've been doing those for a while? What what would you tell them if they're ashamed that I'm a, I'm a pastor, I shouldn't feel this way, or congregations who maybe hold their pastors at uh, a little higher than oh, they shouldn't gosh, feel yeah i mean yeah. i think that's a real thing that yeah. they people put right, their pastors, pastors on a pedestal like some kind of supermen yeah. that, that should not deal with yeah, this that you they can receive all the criticism in the well, world and, it, and not yeah. and, and it's, be, it's okay. difficult too because um <laughs> if i'm just being honest this the source of most of my depression and anxiety comes from the congregation and it's not it's not intentional <laughs> I, know, I know exactly what you mean from the congregants right. they, yeah. they I, so i don't like hold them at fault that it's yeah. not like the people of our church are trying to get me down but um, it, it, it really lies in the way that I process um, things from the congregation. Things that are that are some of it's just quantity, right? So so yeah, when right. I when I hop in my truck and drive to an undisclosed location, it's I'm overwhelmed and depressed or discouraged because I feel inadequate. And by the way, I am inadequate right. to handle the the amount of problems that I see. Right? And, right, and so I, I'll just I need to shut down for a minute and trust the Lord. And, so you're very self aware that like you can feel that coming on, or you know that. Yeah, I'm pretty self aware. My wife's pretty, maybe more more yeah, aware of it than she, I am. Because you probably um, start to do things like before it's Amanda's, building Amanda's, up and stuff. She's she's, she's a smarter, prophetess. She's like smarter. I can walk in the door and she can. I don't know what what happens to my face, she but knows. she can see it on my face. That, yeah, I make that face, yeah. and she knows immediately. <laughs> um, but there are times that I also communicate with Amanda. It's, yeah, it's like I'm. You know, and and so she's she's event line. She's you know complaints and and frustrations and and fears and doubts and all these things. And so she helps me. Um, she's she's super understanding, and so that's helpful. Um, but but I think my biggest advice to pastors would be be transparent with your congregation. Um, tell tell people in your church, whether it, it could be from the pulpit, but but it can also be. Um, it can also be personal with with people in your church, yeah. um, people outside of your church. I think it's healthy for pastors to have other pastors that they talk to outside right. of their church. Um, you see that in Scripture. Um, there's a, there's a network of uh, church planters and pastors in Scripture, and so um, those things are deeply beneficial and healthy. Right. And I, I think that as pastors, we need that. And so the transparency in telling people that I'm. I don't have it all together. I need a break, or I'm stressed out. Um, is is something that all pastors should do. And and by the way, um, if you're not a pastor, I I'll take this. This is not my soapbox, but this yeah. is an opportunity. If you're listening and you're not a pastor, whether you're at our church or not, um, be understanding with your pastor. He is not your savior, yeah. and and he he will struggle, and he will have times where he just needs to shut down for a minute yeah. and you need to be gracious to that and that's why i love like at new that's heights good, we have yeah. a plurality of pastors um going into the building like we just moved in a new building at, at our milton campus 
the foresight of our elder team to, um, I mean, effectively bench me um, going into that and saying this is this is what's needed um, to make sure that that you are not overly stressed, um, not dealing with things that that don't need to be on your shoulders right now. Um, and so, I I'm fearful when things when times like that happen is like, oh, are people going to be mad because I'm not preaching? Are right. people going to be upset? And so, like, if you're not a pastor and things like that happen, there may be things going on mentally with your pastors yeah. that you might not know about, and you need to be. Super understanding yeah, and gracious, and, and thank God that there are other pastors in your church um, that that can that can care for your pastors. And that, yeah. I know we jumped. That was one of the questions. No, right? that's that's good. Uh, I mean, so the question was, how do you as pastors keep a check on your own mental health? And yeah. um, I think that's really good. You have anything else to add to that, Jeremy? No, I was just going to say, I'm a mentally exhausted, unhealthy pastor to help the no one. Yeah. And in the when you mentioned the the, the source of the depression being the congregation, uh, I, I know that may that may sit weird on some people's I'm not, ears. And I'm not trying to be mean. No, no, no. I, I know exactly what you mean. It, it is the quantity. I mean, so, so like, when you think of, or, or, or the concern, like, I think it's out of love. Like, I know, like, part of, I've been really, part of my discouragement is, like, man, is, is are, are we a spiritually healthy church? It's and, a personal job. It is. Right? So, like, when, right. when people, when people have things that they're wrestling through, we wrestle with them, right. and they keep us up at night too. Yeah, even yeah. though we might be separated. It affects from you like, mentally oh gosh, and emotionally when, and spiritually right. too. You, I mean, when you have when you have abused uh, wives, when you have divorces, when you right. have cases of, of incredible trauma, and and you and you hear one after another after another, yeah, um, and you know that you're the people that you're you have you're to care for and watch over, or they're heartbroken. Um, it, it's impossible for that not to impact you. And, and then in the you. midst of that, somebody complains about the carpet collar. Or oh, yeah. Yeah, right. That was my blanket uh, complaint. But no, but... but yeah, something yeah, something petty. Right. Yeah. And you're like, I'm... And, and you can't say, I'm dealing with, with, a, with a suicide here, or I'm well, dealing with I, this. I, or, well, I did, I, well, one time I had someone say to me, it was, it was a morning where... Um, it was what I just mentioned. There were was, was some individuals with some real, real issues, real horrible issues happening and I was waiting for them because I was worried about them and someone uh, sent me a text afterwards and I didn't say hi I, I wasn't as welcoming as I should have been to yeah. them that my, my hello wasn't as genuine and that really bothered me and, and I had to let the person know like listen I, I my mind isn't like give me a break yeah. <laughs> give me a break yeah. and so uh, you know I, I didn't tell them all the details or names or anything but there is a there, there's a healthy dose where um, and I know I wasn't like that I wasn't as gracious as I should have been when I was a con- when I was just simply a congregate, mm-hmm. um, right? You know, and so, so like at our church, um, I mean, we our elders meet at a minimum monthly, yeah, um, exclusively just just our elders, but um, informally probably more often than that. But um, but that that's we're, we're co-pastoring one another, and so the submission that the Bible speaks of of Christians submitting and following leadership of pastors, we, we really have a strong conviction that pastors aren't exempt from that. And so that's why I think I think the Bible requires a, a plurality. Um, and and so um, really, if, if, there's a, if there's a church that can't have a plurality, I think there needs to be some kind of um, presbytery or, or some kind of pastoral network that needs to be formulated so that pastors aren't doing this by themselves. Um, so but, do you all do a check-in at those pastor meetings? Yeah, be like, hey, yeah. how, you know, mm-hmm. how, okay. Yeah, that's and, and that's, and that's, and, and we're promoting, you know, transparency and honesty. No, no right. one's, it's, it's a culture. No one's going to get in trouble for, for, uh, for, you know, mental health issues or stress or, yeah. or depression or any of those things. Um, but we, we need to foster an environment of transparency because 
if someone's not in a healthy place and we just keep pushing them like a workhorse, then they're going to break. And that's not beneficial to the church or to them. And, um, and so, yeah, we, we need to, we need to foster that and and we make an effort to, um, and then, and then I think informally, even outside of just our elder board, um, within, within our network of pastors, we have a lot of support and help that, um, that's at our disposal too. Okay, so I'll uh, move on to the next question. What therapy or counseling is best? Christian counseling or just normal counseling? Yeah, this is this is kind of a, a bit of a, a weird question. Um, I get I get the distinction. Um, so not 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 the quote Kanye West, but if you're a Christian, you're a Christian everything. Um, but I know what I know what they mean when they say Christian counseling versus other type of counseling. So so the counsel I met is a believer. Mm-hmm. And though she knows I'm a believer, and so she, there was always a pointing back to Scripture because she could, right? She was a yeah. professional, but she could do that. Her worldview is that, that there is a soul, that there is a Lord who is the, the creator of all things. It's, it's, a, it's a biblical worldview. And so she approaches counseling from that perspective. Um, Sarah Hewitt is a counselor at, at our church. She is a Christian. She under, she has a biblical worldview. Now, the, she she has techniques, and, and that's just it. The, the let's say secular counseling um, theories that extend out of secular counseling that are that are that are contrary to a biblical worldview, I'd say, are, are dangerous. They exist, and I think any professional counseling who's a Christian can identify those and tell you that they what they are. Um, but the techniques that the secular world has come up with. To deal with counseling or to deal with trauma or, or, or mental health, well, th- those are wonderful things. And a, and a Christian counselor, one who is a, um, can invoke those things and know those things. Mm-hmm. Um, that, now, if they mean Christian counseling as in like a pastor who's counseling, um, I think that there is a limitation on pastors who counsel unless you are a professional counselor. Uh, so like I, I am not a professional counselor, uh, counselor but I do counseling. Um, so I, like, for example, I'll do with uh, marital counseling. Um, I've done counseling where it's where it is a um, where someone is trying. I had one person. This is a really interesting um, point where they, it was. I want to figure out why I am who I am, and so we just kind of would, would go through like using techniques that that um, that exist in counseling, going through and, and helping this person kind of come to a, maybe a fuller realization of, of who why they are the way they are. Um, now, uh, if if there are certain areas that that simply pastoral counseling. You just you just can't when it comes to trauma. Like I, I can't help someone with right. trauma. So what you try to do is kind of figure out what they, you know, what they're struggling with. Yeah. And you kind of evaluate is this something that as a pastor I can help them with, and right. if not, then you refer them to a professional. It's pretty much like a, it's a triage nurse. Is that what they're, that they're yes, called? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and that's that's some. I think all pastors have to do some level of counseling. Um, and I think a lot of the people in our church could testify to this that that I will try to. Uh, minimize the amount of counseling I'm doing because I recognize I'm not a trained counselor and I'm really not a gifted counselor either. Um, we had a counseling intern um, who was, Jennifer was working on her master's degree in counseling. And so we did a lot of counseling together um, in that time and, and she was actually trained. And so she would, she would come and like correct me and be like, well, you're just preaching at people. Like right. you're, you're not counseling very well. And I'm like, dang it. You know? So I, um, I've tried to improve that, but there there comes a degree in which it's it's dangerous because I think some people need counseling, but they camouflage it as 
I just need to talk to my pastor. Right. And they'll view, and even an unhealthy view within New Heights is, okay, um, Will's my pastor, but Jeremy's not, or mm-hmm. Jabe's or Patrick is not. Um, and so when I say um, maybe Jeremy might be better suited with his spiritual giftings and his training to, to deal with this counseling issue, I, you know, I want to talk to my pastor. It's like, yeah. well, I might not be the best thing for you at this right. time. Um, so and, you- and, you had actually said something earlier. Um, so you all, as the pastors, like if somebody is coming to you for counseling or, mm-hmm. you know, to talk to you about something, um, you all, as the pastor, come to a place where you say, hey, I'm not, you know, this is out of my Absolutely. realm of help. And this oh, is, yes. so. I, I, I'd say that happens frequently. And I've, I've had people actually leave our church because they, they didn't appreciate that. Because of the shame, and, and I've tried to communicate, but like when when I say you need some professional help, right. like the, they take offense to that, yeah. um, and and that's that is not anything. Offen- it should not be offensive. No, no, no. Um, but that goes back to the it's in, it's in it's in love and in care, like like recognizing there's you need some some help. That, yeah. There's nothing shameful about that. Right. If, if if the nurse at the hospital said, "So you need to go, see, you, you need to see a doctor," like when you right. get, like right. no one's offended by that, right? Um, but and, but it's right. There's there's a you have to know your limitations, where you're comfortable and not comfortable with. And so, as pastors, yeah, all the time well, we, you know, we recognize we've hit our limit. Like you need, that's really you need good, something else. That's really good, Jeremy, because a doctor is, you know, you doctors specialize in stuff. Mm-hmm. They're specialists for things, right. um, and I think that's a great example of of this. You know, you all you have to send people on to yeah. people who are better qualified. And your pastors, your pastors, you a pastors, a unique job because your pastors are there to, to kind of help lead you in it, it, all areas of life. Right. So like there yeah. are people that will come to me for advice on like, how do I honor God in, in X, Y, and Z areas of my life? Like, okay. Like tax questions or family budgets or right. whatever. But there comes a point where I can say, here's how, here's what the Bible says about honoring God with your money. But then there's also a point where I say you need to go to H and R Block, right? Because I'm not your <laughs> yeah. accountant, okay? And um, and so like I can speak to what the Bible says about your budget, but there comes a point you need right. an accountant. You have, yeah. Um, I can speak to what the Bible says about your identity in Christ, your depression, things like that. But there comes a point that if you if you're not if, if those things are just not healthy, you need to go to a professional. Yeah. So it's funny. I, we, we're talking about each other's strengths. Someone the other day came to me and said, "I need help. Like I want to. I need help with like some budget stuff or some." Um, you know, I'm thinking about starting up a business. Can you can you give me some wisdom? And I said, talk to Will. He he's the entrepreneur. Yeah, I, I don't I'm want not. him talking to you for sure. Uh, well, said, no, I'm I, don't <laughs> don't talk to me about starting up be an entrepreneur. I'm not. I'd be like, dude, just why even do it? You know, just come play D and D with me. Um, so, but when it comes to yeah, you have to know you have to know your strengths, your weaknesses, where where you're, especially in the area of counseling. You, it is. I think it's the utmost importance the pastor can say, okay, I am. I mean, again, going back to the triage nurse, the, the, my if if someone comes in. And about to have a baby, they're going to send them to the labor and delivery unit. Right. My, my wife gets to do that. Um, if, it, if it's something neurological, they're going to send them there. Yeah. And so I think knowing where you're comfortable, and there's there's incredible danger with with dealing with uh, at, at, at a pride as a pastor going, okay, I'm going to do this because yeah, I feel like I can. I feel like that's more harmful. Oh my gosh. And, yeah, and to circle the wagon, yeah. that's what yeah. that's what will cause burnout of pastors yeah. Yeah. when we're just yeah. trying to do be everything. every doctor yeah. possible. Yeah. Triage is a great analogy. Thank you for that. Okay, yeah, of course. so we're going to move on to another question. You are doing really good. I'm proud of you all. Um, I, I, as, as, as cold and, and as weird as I come to, sometimes am, I actually have a passion for counseling and passion for mental health only because of, of I've seen a lot of people get hurt and burnt in, in this right. area. So, 
No, it's good. You're yeah. doing. I mean, you're doing really good. Well, thanks. Yeah, you are I'm normally really, cold and hateful. I'm really proud of both <laughs> Wait, of you. Wait, well, sorry. Like the grief. We've talked about this. Like where my mother died is, and I'm mm-hmm. weird about death. Yeah, right. You and, are. Like when it comes to death. That's why you, you're not on the grief podcast. It is true. Yeah. You deal with that. Like when yeah. I, I am. That is some. It's an area where I have a big weakness in. Yeah. Okay, so medicating mental illness. No, um, how do you all feel about medicating mental illness, knowing that it alters your brain, chem- your brain and chemical levels? Same way I feel about someone getting um, insulin for their diabetes. Yes, that's good. good it, it is. It is. It is asinine to tell someone that it is uh, that they that, that they can't. That it is wrong for them to get uh, medication. No one would go to the diabetic and say. Oh, trust in the Lord with your diabetes. It's a lack of faith that you have to take insulin. Some people might. Well, they're idiots. Right. <laughs> they are. They're dumb. Um, it, it, it is a – so I, I think oftentimes we, we separate mental – we say mental, spiritual only, and we, we fail to see that there are physical components that affect mental health. Absolutely, yeah. And so um, we have a good friend named Andy. If he didn't take his insulin, um, that would affect his mental health. He would mm-hmm. die. Um, and so someone who needs medication – uh, there's no shame in that. You should. One of the one of the most one of the coolest things I've ever seen was it was Joe Thorne when he came. Uh, it was Charleston a couple of years ago. Someone asked him, "How have you dealt with uh, anxiety?" And as he says, "Well, uh, he was a lot of prayer, uh, a lot of counseling, and medication." And I even I saw myself kind of look around, going, "Oh, I wonder how people are going to respond to that medication part." And then my heart being like, "Oh, why?" Like, because I, I know it's taboo. I know yeah. that like we're not. You know, you're not. You know, that that's that's a sign of what weakness, and I'm like that's so silly. Like as a silly, silly mindset. It is uh, medication is is needed. Um, at times, you you our bodies are impacted by the fall by by sin, um, trauma. There's a great book, the the body keeps uh, score. Um, you, you have there is trauma that happens and that impacts literally impacts the development of your brain. Um, and to say that uh, medication isn't needed, we would say that nowhere else in the medical field or, or in the field of, of human health. Um, but we'll say it to someone who's struggling with mental health because we fail to understand the physical effects of the mental. That's a good answer. Okay, so I'm going to give you um, a little more loaded question. Oh, boy. Um, if a Christian has a severe, severe mental illness um, and has not been treated for it with um, med- either through medication and therapy or both and commits suicide, what do you think happens to them? Do they go to heaven or do they go to hell? So the, I'll, I'll, I'll give where this source comes from, this, this kind of this, and then I'll let you answer the question. Okay. Okay, so this, this is a Roman Catholic doctrine, right, that says— that people who commit suicide, um, they they go to hell. Um, the reason it's a Roman Catholic doctrine is because they say you need to do so is a sin, and you haven't had your sin. You have to have a priest forgive you of your sin. So you need some sort of sacrament to forgive that sin. So the problem with Roman Catholicism is they do not preach um, a biblical gospel and that your sins are forgiven by Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, by Christ alone. They say that when you sin, you need something to occur outside of Christ, some sort of priest to bring about the atonement of your sins through a sacrament. That is unbiblical, um, and I'll let you answer the, the, the question. That's where it comes from, this, this fear. Yeah, so first of all, we cannot judge. I think when Jesus says, judge not, lest you to be judged, um, <clears throat> you know, the most quoted Bible verse, thou shalt not judge. I think what Jesus is talking about is 
judging someone's heart, their eternal souls, whether they're a child of, of God or not. That's what we can't judge. He tells us actually to judge actions all the time. He the Bible tells us to call out sin, call it what it is, uh, be, be confrontational at times. But uh, what we cannot do is say definitively uh, what, if someone goes to heaven or hell. And, and I've, I preach a lot of funerals. I've preached funerals for people who have committed suicide. And, and these types of things are things that are, that are in the hands of God. What I, what I can definitively say is that although I believe suicide is a sin, I think, I think that's clear, it's the taking of a life, even if it is your own. Suicide is a sin. Um, all of your sin, when Jesus died on the cross for your sins, were future sins. He forgave you when you repented of your sin. You were forgiven for all the sins that you will commit as a Christian, too. And so the, the belief that we hold to is that salvation is only by grace. Um, it's, it's not by us abstaining from sin that, that keeps us saved. And so um, I think it is possible for someone who commits suicide to, to still be in heaven. Um, the question is not how they died. The question is were they truly repentant and were they brought to life by the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, yeah, if someone's a Christian genuinely and they, and they do commit suicide, um, that sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. And, and there are there are Christians, given the struggle of, of mental health and, and maybe not getting the help that they need, if if there were pastors, I mean, I, I've, again, I've, I've had conversations with, with, with women who were given horrible advice and um, attempted at suicide. Uh, and and when they told me what their pastors had told them, which was just pray more, you, know, you don't need the medication, you just need to be joyful, whatever it is. I mean, to me, I, it's infuriating. The blood, some of the, some of the blood is on, the, some of the blood, a lot of the blood is on that pastor's hands. Yeah. Um, but there is, I mean, there are instances in scripture where someone's killing themselves. I think a lot of people think of Judas and they go, okay, well, Judas wasn't a believer. But you have you have Saul in the Old Testament um, who who tries to kill himself, um, who begs someone to kill him. Um, and, and But I don't have any reason to think that, that Saul isn't redeemed. Um, he, he was out of, um, I mean, he, he was in sin with, with the Lord, and the Lord was frustrated and angry with him and, and bringing judgment upon him. But his the great despair uh, was too much for him to handle. By the way, your sin's too much for you to handle. The idea that God's not going to give you too much than you can handle is not, is not true. It, it is a myth. And, and sometimes it is, it is very difficult when someone is in the midst of deep depression for them to see anything else. And so, yeah, I, I it, it's a uh, nowhere in Scripture do you see that I, I, lo I love what you you know the idea that you are not saved by how you die or even right. how you live, right? It right. is it is by the atoning. It's by I, it's the work of Christ. That answers. Okay, we uh, we're down to four more questions. You are doing good. Um, how do you approach or be there for someone who suffers from mental illness when they used to be a Christian and now they blame God and shut you down every time you try to? Be there for them. This is tough. So I, I I don't typically think that someone used to be a Christian. Um, so I'll just start with that. Someone I, I would say if if you are a Christian, true Christians persevere. Um, if someone's I, blatantly denying right. either God's existence or the gospel, then I would tend to say, although I, I can't see their hearts, but I would tend to say they were never genuinely saved. Right. Now, so probably treat them like an unbeliever, like right. with love and evangelistic fervor and all of these things. Yeah, and I think I think one of the worst things we can do is try to talk them out of their sadness and out of their depression. Try to make excuses. You know, you uh, there's reason why this happened. You know, the you know 
all you know god means uh, good for all those who love him right like it, there's something good's going to come out of this uh and, and so i think i think just acknowledging that something sucks and something's horrible i was going to bring that up that's some of the best advice you ever gave me yeah. as a pastor um Thank you, Pastor, for yeah. helping me in that. Well, it's a good book that I read about it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know you probably got it from somewhere. I did. But so, Jeremy trained me in this. He was like, he was like, as as a pastor, like your job is not to like over spiritualize everything. Like sometimes yeah. people He's just need to know sense. that you acknowledge that sucks. That's really that's really yeah. crappy. Yeah, and, and well, because we our tendency is to want to fix things, right? Right. Um, we want to make them feel better, but let letting someone sit in it is is not bad. Again, and I think that the reason we want to fix it is because we think okay, being sad is bad. Right, this is a bad emotion. Right. Rather than go, no, no, it's okay to be sad. It's okay. That that, that is ex- that should be the expectation, um, uh, with what you've dealt with. So I, w- what I would do with someone in this case, um, I would acknowledge whatever they're going through sucks. I would, um, I- again, if yeah, if they're not a believer, maybe deal with it from from a lost person's perspective. If they are a believer and they just they don't, you know, they they've been hurt, they don't want to go to, they don't want to, um, they kind of want to isolate themselves. Uh, then yeah, I think you you'd be as empathetic and sympathetic as possible. Um, actually, I want to if I can if do this real quick to tell the difference between empathy and sympathy. Um, and and uh, Shelley Coleman, who's coming on, will probably do a much better job and go in more in depth with this. But empathy is is acknowledging something sucks. Sympathy is going oh well at least this didn't happen right, right? so I think when you do stuff like that it's so hurtful because people hear you when I I, I shared some um, some trauma with someone who who was very close to me one time and they and they try to over spiritualize and they go well you know God you know look where you are now and you know God obviously has some good purpose and it, and it was almost like uh, it, what it felt like guys I'm I'm going to diminish this thing that happened to you. And um, I almost like I didn't hear it, and I'm just trying to make you feel better about the situation. Right. Yeah. And so that th- that is, it's meant, it's meant for good, but it's not helpful, and it's more hurtful than anything. But you know, what? I think, uh, and I, I think you all will agree with me. A lot of times, Christians do this. Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. um, all the time. Yeah. Christians um, are are probably worse than non-Christians at doing this. I, I think all things work together for good. Yeah. Because we'll like take we, scripture, we'll but we spiritualize just, everything. We and read we'll, it. We we quote it at the wrong times. Yeah. Well, like I I don't think that I became as aware um, that I even did it until like I had some traumatic <laughs> things happen to me, like I had a miscarriage, and then you know you have all this awkwardness yep. and like people saying, oh, you know, it's just not in God's will right. and like all these other things, and I'm like. That. Has to, I mean, how hurtful that has to well, be to hear yeah, that. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, oh um, so, and then, like, with, with, you know, some of the things that Benjamin struggles with, like, mm-hmm. I even, um, I even, like, did that myself, like, you know, like, there's so, you know, it could be so much worse, um, and Jason actually said, hey, but, you know, it's okay for us to feel yeah. all the mm-hmm. feelings that we're feeling, and, right. you know, we don't have to, we don't have to do that, as, you know, even as Christians, it's okay to feel that, mm-hmm. and, um, God understands why we feel that way. Like, yeah. there's no reason for you to try to deflect to make me or us or any, you know, any of us feel better about and it. And by the way, I'll, I'll throw this out there too, just some helpful advice for people who have friends that are suffering or, or, or grieving or whatever, is don't insert yourself into their suffering. I think yeah, Christians are yeah. pretty bad about that too. Yeah. It's like when someone loses a loved one, yeah, I've, I've lost, I've lost yeah. my mom too, and so I know how, I know what you're going through. And yeah. it's, no, you don't. It's, it's, it's everybody's unique. Every, everybody's yeah, different. everybody's circumstances are and so, so different. Like, and... You don't need to relate at that level. Just acknowledging yeah. the pain. Hey, yeah. I want to weep with those who weep. Well, is, I, I is think enough. it's, I think it's from a selfish point. I, I know that when 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 I'm guilty of this, it's because I I don't like the awkwardness. So right. I'm going to 
say something to put us on the same plane. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, a good imagery is the of sympathy and empathy. Sympathy is the person looking down someone who's fallen in a hole and been like, I've been there before. Right. And, and whereas empathy is going down there and just being with them. Right. Well, and, and I, and I think, you know, a lot of times as Christians, like, I think we feel like we're being helpful because we can say, hey, I've been there and I've come mm-hmm. out of it. But that's not the message at all. When no. when you're hurting, you don't want, I mean, you don't want somebody to be like, you're going to pull through this. It's going to be fine. Because at the time, you don't you don't right. feel that. You don't see that. You and just they want might somebody, not. And they it may not. not be true. You know, you just want somebody to sit with you and that's be right. with you in it. Um, and just, you know, even if they can't do anything to help you, just to sit and be in it with you. Right. Well, it, to, to deal with an incident, uh, some sort of traumatic incident, is to and to say you'll pull through is to deal with that incident in, in isolation. You don't take whatever's happened prior to any other variables that may add on or give context to that situation. So yeah, to say that you'll you'll everything will be fine, you'll get through it. Yeah, right. that that may not. You may need counseling for years, and you may be in sorrow. I mean, like I can't imagine if if I, I thought to myself, um, if, if anything ever happened to my children, oh my god, like I I I, I would. Yeah. I don't know what happened to me. Yeah. I, I'd wither up and, and die. You know, it, yeah. it would just be so traumatic. And so to, and for 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 a multitude of reasons outside of the obvious. So yeah, to um, realize when someone is the way they are when they experience something, it's not in isolation. There's other context there, who they are as a person, other variables that add and, and to that and subtract from that, that kind of put that in its proper context. All right, we're going to move on to the next questions. So the last three questions, um, I think, kind of have um, kind of not. I don't want to say they're kind of like for our church. And then, um, so does our church have a plan, um, like an action plan, to help those who are suffering? Does New Heights Church? I would say yes, not not in the form of like a program or like we don't have a flow chart. Like yeah, for people I, w- I wouldn't with mental think it's illness. like a formal system or anything like that. Um, but yes, um, it, the identification is probably the hardest part um, because if we don't like, especially in, in terms of like the pastors, if the pastors don't know someone is struggling, it's hard to it's hard to deal with it. Um, so a lot of that has to be, and I know we've said it, but let me say it again. Like if if you are struggling with depression anxiety mental illness like like you need to let someone know whether that's your pastor or not it doesn't have to be your, yeah. you don't have to bring your pastors into everything but um but certainly you can and and so we we want to be aware of those things so that we can help as much as possible um but yeah being made aware is key and then there are there are times that um that we'll try to you know just kind of have foresight to see especially i think of like people who've who've lost uh, significant people in their life and they're grieving, especially like this time of year, there may be some pastoral care that comes in. Hey, how are you doing? Do you need to talk? Um, and, and I think sometimes I, I, I worry about it cause I'm like, am I being too pushy with people? Cause I've, right. I've messaged people like on Facebook and, or, you know, send them a text or something and say, Hey, if you need to talk, please let me know. And if, if that happens to if that's happened to you and you feel like I'm being pushy, like you can, you can just say, no, thanks. I'm not trying to like yeah. force you into some kind of weird counseling thing, but I, I just want our church to know that we care. And if we miss it, by the way, if, if you're grieving and struggling and we don't message you or we don't reach out, that's not because we don't care. Um, but it, it, it comes back to that quantity thing. And so there should be no shame in, in reaching out to a pastor and saying, I, I need to, I need prayer or I need, I need to talk about this. Right. 
um, we want to help that. And so, like, a lot of the funerals we do lead to further um, further mental uh, help, um, whether that's referral to professionals or just further counseling. Um, and and a lot of just the, like, like Jeremy mentioned, marital counseling, different counseling-type settings we find ourselves in, that triage thing, lead to um, usually kind of a follow-up and maybe maybe even a passing on to professionals. Um, so that's probably the, the briefest answer I could give. Okay, so the next question is, um, so this kind of has to do with, like, um, mental health issues um, for kids. So have we trained um, – have we trained our youth ministry workers um, on trauma-informed care? So, no. Uh, long, short answer is no. Uh, we have now um, – I am – I know we've had or – Well, I know, I know some of our workers have been trained in that. Right. But, no, but we have not set it as a policy that, like, all our volunteers have to <laughs> have go to through that training. Yeah. Like, I've been through it. Um, I've, I've got – you know, we've adopted three children. We've fostered more than that, but um, no, we, but we you have to go through a trauma training to be a foster parent, and we have a lot of foster parents that serve that are in those settings. No, we we do have pe- yes, right. We have people who are trained, and um, and we we're honestly blessed enough to have um some some the counselors, counselors. That, that work yeah and in, yeah. in our kids ministry yeah, and so one of them is phenomenal with kids. She's just absolutely phenomenal, and so we've we've sometimes take children who maybe there's signs of something going on mm-hmm. and, and go there. And, and the parents have been actually even going to the parents and say, Hey, like there's some, there's some concerns. Like, do you mind if we do this? And, and we've always, it's always been met with, uh, with, with positive yeah. information. Like just, but yeah. So to answer it very frankly, no, we don't require that, but I think God has blessed our church yeah. and the people yeah. that have that training and that knowledge to be kind of sprinkled in amongst our other volunteers who help out that they, they have, and, and we've seen this, they have identified, things that need attention they've identified trauma um behaviors things like that and so like like my oldest daughter is a is a she is a therapy kid and i love it um she has been through a lot of abuse and she has been diagnosed with ptsd so we deal with a lot of trauma in our home um my wife has a lot of trauma in her childhood too so i've had to be gracious and learn like i come from a very privileged background and then to deal with um, some of the things my wife has brought into our marriage that, that I've had to learn to be empathetic and, yeah. and honestly deal with a lot of just like, just, you know, ignorance on my own part that I've had to deal with. But like, um, seeing that trauma up close in my home has, has led me to a place that we know as a church, we need to have eyes that look that way, right. um, and see those things and be aware of those things because children with trauma are going to process, so many, like, like so just the way, just the way a Sunday school class goes, it, it's going to be, I mean, it, there, there are triggers that can come up that can completely terrify children when it's supposed Absolutely. to be a place that fosters, you know, learning and the gospel. Absolutely. No, yeah. uh, you know, you know, Michelle. Yes. Uh, so Michelle was, uh, she, she's a member of our church, but she has talked about doing the training and, and it's just what she does for a living. She yep. does these trainings mm-hmm. and we, we've talked about trying to get that done. And it's actually interesting because she said the, the, the group that's hardest to get into, she does this for companies and also right. the hardest is is uh, our churches the churches just don't want this training which i find kind of yeah. crazy so we um oh, um we had i had that experience a few years ago we um we actually were able the church that we used to attend um we had the opportunity to have a specialist who was coming to Lincoln County, um, who was training the counselors and teachers and stuff at the, through the Board of Education. Like she came and spoke at our church, mm-hmm. um, 
and we had a lot of resistance from some of our people. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm not sure that it was that they didn't want the training. Um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of back and forth about it, but I, I can see. Yeah, it, shocking, well, isn't it? It's just yeah, strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking about how blessed we were. We have a ton of teachers too. I know at Milton, um, teachers who work yeah. in the school system who yeah. have had this training, mm-hmm. right. um, who are continuing their education on it um, yep. and being trained yearly because there's new things coming up all the time that can help kids who've been in trauma situations. I would put my wife up there with like the professors of brain development. Like the amount that my wife has researched and studied the effects of trauma on the brain is, is amazing. Um, But she's, she's been a a great help to me to understand how her mind works and how Maya's mind works and just how I can like be a husband and a dad better um, in situations like that. It's, um, it's helpful to have that. uh, I'll, I'll kind of give like the opposite. So, um, I have had, I, I had a lot of trauma and Jason had not. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> it was really hard in our marriage because I was I didn't really have the communication skills to be able to tell him like what right. was going on in my mind and stuff. So we actually went to marriage counseling and we, uh, we graduated marriage counseling. I think, I think we'll probably have to go back someday because me and Jason go round and round sometimes. But, uh, man, marriage counseling was so good for our marriage because one, it taught, you know, it taught me a lot of things, but it also taught Jason a lot about what you were saying, how Amanda does for you. Um, you know, just kind of where thought processes come from and how Mm -hmm. to, how to work with that. So, um, the last question is, um, and this, this is kind of with that last question. So if you did see a child in your church that was acting out in a sexual manner, probably because of something traumatic that had happened in their lives, what would you do as a pastor? Oh man. Um, so what, what you should do, I'm not going to say what I would do, what you should do um, is um, you you help that family? You in in my personal case, I would send I would get some professional help. Um, I would turn to the count, one of the counselors at our church, who is a professional. Um, but I would if not, I would seek I would get professional help, and as a church, help them in any way they need it, whether it's financial to be able to, to be able to get that, but also speak to the family because because it is in it is a it is not loving to the family to ignore that. Either the child is a victim of the family, or the child is a victim of something else. If, if, if depending on the age, a a child being sexual early on, we had this incident somewhat recently, um, not at the church, but where it was concerning at the age of the child and um, how sexual they were being, and so naturally the thought is, okay, a kid this age normally doesn't have these feelings and emotions unless it's been exposed to them somehow, right. and so we, we we sought help um, and care for the family through the process. And so that, that's what you should do. You should seek out of love for the child. You help them. Out of love for the family, you help them. If there's something there that either someone uh, in the family or the, the, the kid's been exposed to in their community has hurt them in some way, then you, you report it and you deal with it. But, but you, you, you don't wash your hands of it. That's, that's not yeah, acceptable. Without question. That's a good answer. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, uh, not, to, not to cut us off, but we've, uh, we've carried – on long enough, I think, with our questions. Uh, great <laughs> great questions, great answers. Um, if you guys have any other questions, submit them on the app through the Ask a Question um, thing. I don't even know what it is. Send me, <laughs> send me a message. <laughs> Comment on my Facebook post. Text me. Who cares? Uh, who cares how you do it? Uh, you all have anything else to say? Um, I'll just say 
if you're interested in counseling, counseling is not just giving good advice. No, uh, it's the best good. counselors yeah. I've ever seen, they don't give advice. They walk through the journey Absolutely, with them. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. That's all I got. All okay. right, guys. I think this was a really good, uh, I think this is going to be a really good episode, and I think it's uh, probably going to answer the people's questions. Um, Hopefully. Well, I mean, we'll find out, though. You sweating a little less? Yeah, I'm sweating a little less. Okay, I, put my shirt back on. I put my shirt back on because I was starting to get cold from all the sweat and the moisture on my body. So um, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, we will, uh, the next two episodes, we will have professionals on. Um, so if you have questions about uh, trauma or grief, shoot them at us, um, and we will get those questions answered. Thanks.